Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. I want to remind you uh, to check out the website, wealthformula.com, for all sorts of resources available to you, including the uh, number one selling book, uh, Seven Secrets of Eternal Wealth, which you can download for free as a PDF. And also, remember, there is a course there is a course, there is a community for those of you who are really digging the whole wealth formula thing and you want to get deeper, go to wealthformularoadmap.com. So there's a course there. There's a course uh, that has the likes of Kevin Day, Tom Wilwright, Ken McElroy, uh, Dean Graziosi, Christian Allen, me, <laughs> just throw myself in there too as as great ones, right? Yeah, whatever. Anyway, so check that out. It's a phenomenal course. Took a ton of uh, effort and, frankly, a lot of money to put together. And if you get that course, in addition to it, there is a community. It is the Wealth Formula Network. It's an active community. We have a forum. We have a private Facebook group. We have new content. We have bi-weekly mastermind calls with or even have some book clubs for those of you who might be interested. We have uh, so some of the guests that come on these shows end up being uh, actual guests on those calls. It's really a great way to get more involved. If you like this stuff, if you want to get more involved and accelerate your own learning. So check that out, wealthformularoadmap.com. Now, uh, I want to say that um, there's, a, there's a lot of these little rules I, 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 I live by, right? Uh, and one of them, well, you've heard me say before, never, no, what's the rule? A, a, a fool with a tool is still a fool, right? That's, that's one. But there's another fool one that I like, which is, and I don't know, I think I may have made this one up, but never try to convince a fool that he's a fool, why? Because he won't believe you anyway. Uh, you know, I hate to say it, uh, but that's why I never talk about money with people unless they generally bring it up with me first. So that's why I, I'm usually not talking very much in general and because <laughs> I don't have a whole lot else to think. I talk about football all the time. By the way, I went to the Vikings-Rams game in Los Angeles. What a, a great game, but the Vikings are really stinking it up. Um, anyway... That's neither here nor there. But so I never talk about money 
uh, with people unless they bring it up with me first because its opinions are pretty strong and um, and that's what's great about being a podcaster is because I'm just talking here, right? I'm inviting people on who want to talk about money with me. We're not. Uh, if you are listening, you have chosen to listen. You have chosen to be on an email list where you get content that I'm creating because you find some value in it, right? In fact, you know, I got to tell you, I recently invited people to attend a live webinar. As you know, we had some technical difficulties and, and were unable to do it. But we were, uh, it was a live webinar on a wealth strategy that I've studied extensively and am pretty close to uh, pushing the go button on and executing. So I thought it'd be fun uh, to have people see how you know how I look at things in real time as something's presented to me uh, and add their own feedback. So, you know, the reason I did that is because uh, I don't believe that I know it all. You know, I, in fact, the reason that I am, I can say that I believe that I am as successful as I am, which is, you know, I mean, listen, there's people who are more successful than me, but I, I think I'm doing pretty good. But the reason I got there is because I don't pretend to know it all. You know, it's like that whole thing, the whole Robert Kiyosaki idea of trying to fill a room with people who are smarter than yourself. That's the whole idea for me, right? And I try very hard as much as possible to look at every opportunity with an open mind and poke holes in it, you know? I've been trying to do that very, very much. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and I think when you do that, you find that sometimes there's a reason for it and sometimes it's just straight up dogma. So I do this invitation. I send this email out. And curiously, last week, I got an email from someone in response to that um, saying that, the things that I was talking about in that webinar that I'm in, you know, probably going to move forward with were quote unquote garbage. Of course, I welcomed the dissent and invited him very nicely to join the webinar, explain why. Uh, he wrote, by the way, he wasn't the only one who wrote this, but there was others. But this one I, I, I thought was uh, particularly interesting. He wrote back that he espoused the teaching of the white coat investor and physician on fire uh, who did not like these products and therefore he would not attend. If you'd like, if you're curious who white coat investor uh, is, he is a guy who a lot of the uh, doctors in the area uh, in, 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 or listen to for financial advice. And there's nothing wrong with the guy. It's just that he doesn't say anything that generally uh, it's pretty standard stuff um, uh, that they hear from 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 most uh, uh, traditional, you know, financial people. Anyway, I, I disagree with them on a whole lot of stuff. Uh, I appreciate what they're doing. But, you know, here's the thing. Uh, when I got that email, it really got me kind of fired up because and, and, and I wrote something snarky back, you know. I basically, I think I wrote something like, well, uh, you know, I think I make more money than those guys. So, but I shouldn't have said that. It's kind of tacky anyway, but 
Instead, I should have remembered the old saying, never try to convince a fool that he's a fool. By the way, I should mention that that product that we'll get on, uh, again, in this webinar that I wanted uh, was, was wanting to share it with people with, um, I was talking about, what I was talking about there is a product that some of my, few of my, uh, the few nine-figure net worth friends I have, um, they all use this stuff. And, you know, you would think that maybe a couple of nine-figure net worth friends who, uh, they might know a thing or two that some doctors uh, with a podcast may not. And um, also, I should point out that this was also a product that we discussed uh, with a guy on the show not long ago that deals with only high net worth individuals and family offices. Anyway, uh, to be clear, I'm not saying that disagreeing with me is tantamount to being a fool. Uh, What I am saying is that espousing, because I love that word, espousing others in the world of finance, in the world of anything really, is just plain stupid, okay? I don't want any of you to follow all of my words blindly. I want you to challenge it. If I say I don't like something for some reason and you do, tell me why I should. If I say something's a great deal and you don't think it's a great deal, tell me why it's not. Listen to what others have to say. You know, listen, just don't listen to me. Listen to others. Process it for yourself. You have a brain. I know you do. And if you don't agree with me, don't just say, you know, I play, I play for another team. I espouse somebody else and send me an article that doesn't pertain to anything related to the product that I'm talking about. That is just plain stupidity. And I don't want lemmings like that in my community because that's not what it's all about, right? So if you're listening out there, feel free to unsubscribe from my list or whatever. Uh, And, um, you know, you can go die broke like the rest of them. Uh, I didn't come to you. You came to me. Anyway, the stupidity drives me crazy, if you can't tell. uh, And I get a little worked up about it. And unfortunately, it's usually the doctors who think they know it all. And it's, um, and, and, and I'm a doctor, right? So uh, it's all from that positive reinforcement we get in school for getting A's. It makes us believe that we're smarter than we are. And the truth is, when it comes to money, most doctors could use a boost to the old financial IQ. So I get fired up on this stuff. I really do. Um, and again, it's just, it drives me crazy. You know, it's it's like you hear... Uh, I, I have people who say, hey, you know, you got to get your message out to more doctors and here's how you can do it. And I always say, hey, listen, I, I'm not really interested in in going out there in front of a bunch of people and having them, you know, their immediate knee jerk response being that I already have a financial advisor or I listen to uh, a podcast uh, from somebody else who tells me nothing that my financial advisor doesn't tell me. Uh so I, I don't even bother, but I, I get fired up about this stuff. And you know what else gets me fired up besides that product? The idea uh, behind taxes. You know, just like financial strategies, everyone loves, they love to tell you that you can't do that. 
when it's clear as day that the tax code says you can, right? I mean, seriously, drives me crazy. People telling me, no, I'm not sure about that one. Oh, really? You know, I remember my first CPA at a residency. Uh, and the, the, the way I found it, that CPA, of course, was the way we ordinarily do it, right? We just look at the doctor next to us and say, hey, uh, who's the CPA you use? Oh, yeah, we all use this one guy. Well, he must be smart. He's the CPA for all the doctors. Oh, there's a, there's a red flag right there. Well, bottom line is the advice I got from him, I might as well just use TurboTax, right? I mean, it was worthless, absolutely worthless. Then one day... I stumbled on to a book called Tax-Free Wealth, written by my friend Tom Wheelwright, who's a rich dad advisor, and it completely changed a view uh, of the the way I I view not only taxes, but also really shifted my beliefs in terms of business and investing, etc. So Tom Wheelwright is, as many of you know already, you already know this if you've read book in the past, and there's a new edition now of Tax-Free Wealth. He's a genius. And when we come back, we will have the pleasure once again of having him back on Wealth Formula Podcast. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast needs really no introduction. He's been on the show a couple of times. He is a very, very well-known figure in the tax space. He's, He's the guy that Robert Kiyosaki told me was the smartest tax guy he's ever met. And his name is Tom Wheelwright. And Tom is, of course, a CPA, best-selling author of Tax-Free Wealth, which was recently released as a second edition after the new uh, Trump tax code screwed up all of his first book. <laughs> <laughs> He's also a gifted entrepreneur and a wealth advisor who teaches on uh, tax issues internationally. And now he's also the host of something we're going to talk about a little bit later, which is WealthAbility, which has been a huge hit. And I know for a fact that many of you already listen to it already. So, Tom, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Buck. Good to be here. Good to have you. So, uh, so since the last time we talked... Of course, uh, we we actually talked after the uh, the the whole Trump tax code was changed. 
but it was just brand new, right? And I can't imagine that you had really had a chance to really, uh, really absorb it. Did you really have to rewrite that book from scratch or was it a lot of it pretty much? Uh... You know, here's the great thing about taxes is that from a conceptual standpoint, they're the same all over the world. So it's right. not just in the U.S., but all over what, what, you know, the tax laws we've talked about before is just a series of incentives, right? And, and the question is, who are the incentives for, right? right? And how much are the incentives for those people? And it's long been a series of incentives for entrepreneurs and investors. But I'll tell you what, there were some pretty big winners uh, from an entrepreneur and investor standpoint. And there were actually some pretty big losers uh, in this new tax bill. And so we, we, we did have to modify, we did have to modify some things in uh, tax-free wealth. And we actually added in a free ebook. So, you know, when you, when you get tax-free wealth second edition, now there's a free ebook to talk about the top 10 tax benefits from the Trump tax bill. Really? I didn't see that. I just or I just got mine like two days ago, but I, I <laughs> so I needed I needed to to get the ebook. But uh, anyway, I'll look for that. So you mentioned you mentioned term uh, big winners and losers. Was it just a usual thing where the W twos just got hammered, um, and or were there specific groups within the entrepreneurial world that actually didn't fare well as well? either. Well, it, it, it really, the, the employees got hammered more than ever. I mean, yeah. it, you know, the last time we had major tax reform was 1986. I was back in Washington with Ernst Young back then. And uh, the employees actually did really well. They ended up with much lower tax brackets. They did really, really well. Real estate got hammered in 1986. Right. That's when we got the passive loss rules, right? And we didn't even get the real estate professional rules until six, seven years later. So there was a, a long period of time when real estate was just really under fire uh, from the tax law. So given who our president is, it won't surprise anybody to know that the big, big winners were real estate investors. Yeah. And I mean, seriously, amazingly big winners. You know, I mean, obviously big corporations were big winners. You know, they, they got a tax rate reduced from 35 to 21%. The nice thing is anybody can take advantage of that 21% tax rate. So people who are not as big, they're still going to get those. There were some great, actually more benefits for small business than we usually get. And so I would say, you know, it was the corporations, uh, real estate investors and small business who really, you know, came out smelling nicely out of this and it was employees employees lost some really big deductions and they lost them permanently you know the tax law actually some of the a lot of the provisions are temporary like the tax rate reduction is temporary um, for individuals the tax rate reduction for corporations is permanent yeah the tax benefit for small businesses is temporary the the some of the deductions that they eliminated for employees permanent. So it, it, it's a it's a pretty interesting law. And, and you're right. I mean, since since we last spoke, there have been regulations issued. We have a, a lot more information about what's available. So what are so can you talk a little bit? There's some confusion I, I've had even within discussions of my, our own little mastermind here uh, about um, about the whole 
uh, what was it, 21 or 22 percent uh, LL in, in the the taxation for the LLC, the deduction basically? Oh, the 20 percent deduction. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit how that works? And I, I guess there's also some uh, particular services that don't get that opportunity. Yes, that is of, of everything in that law, that 20 percent, what they call the pass through deduction is the most complex part of the entire law. And it is, I mean, they issued regulations that are 89 pages and they don't solve a lot of the problems. So here's basically the idea behind it is that corporations got a tax reduction from 35% to 21%. So they're going, okay, if big companies are going to get a big tax reduction, we want small businesses, entrepreneurs to get a maybe not as big a tax reduction, but some tax reduction as well. So the way they did it was they said, look, anybody who owns a pass-through entity, which includes partnerships, sole proprietorships, S-corporations, all of those are pass-through entities, whether they're formed as an LLC or otherwise, there's there's still S-corporations, partnerships, and sole proprietorships for tax purposes. So the net income from the business, the idea is the net income from the business, only 80% of it is taxed. Okay, it's actually very similar. There's a similar provision in oil and gas where only 85% of oil and gas income is taxed. Okay, so it's a similar type of provision. The difference is, is that it's really complicated. So for example, there's a group of um, service industries that includes you and me, pal. Okay, (laughs) it includes the doctors and the accountants and the lawyers and the consultants and the and the uh, stockbrokers, <clears throat> it includes the athletes. It includes the um, independent contractors. All of these people, okay, don't get the deduction if their income is over a certain threshold. Okay, if their income is above a threshold. So for an ind- for a single person, that threshold is one hundred fifty seven thousand five hundred, and for married filing joint, that threshold is three hundred fifteen thousand. So if you're under that threshold, all of those businesses qualify if you're under that threshold. And that's a a key point because one of the planning, some of the planning that we're doing is to actually reduce our, reduce income down below that $315,000 level. So we get that additional 20% deduction, which at 315,000 is another $63,000. So that's, that, that's a big part of it. But if you're over that, then those what they call um, SSTBs, okay, um, special service trades or businesses, right? Um, so those businesses like doctors, lawyers, and accountants don't get that 20% deduction. So um, there's some, it's a huge tax benefit. I mean, think there are, there are flow through entities. Um, as I understand, Cargill, the big food processing company, agricultural company out of Minnesota, they're a partnership. They'll get the 20% deduction. Wow. Okay. On billions of dollars of income. So huge tax benefit for somebody like Cargill. Okay. But on the other end, and, and real estate investors also get it if they have net income, which of course you and I know that if you have enough leverage, then you're not going to have net taxable income, especially with the new bonus depreciation rules. But let's say you do have taxable income, Real estate investors do get it. Now, you know, there's limitations that are so complex. You know, we really can't get it in, in, sure. in it here, but um, it's available. 
Okay, so it's something that you, you sit down with your tax advisor and walk through the and let them walk through the details with you. So it sounds like the the industries without lobbyists kind of didn't do well. Oh, so <laughs> it, 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 it gets better, but right. So so the lobbyists for the account, the, the accounting industry, the legal industry and the and the um, medical services industries, I hope they all got canned. Yeah, okay. Serious. Now the lobbyists for engineering and architects should got a huge bonus because they were accepted out of this rule. Really? So even though they're professional services, they got good lobbying and, and they get the deduction. It's crazy. So you talk about all this complexity, right? And the complexity, and I've heard you say this before, and, but maybe there's a good time to kind of reiterate this that ultimately that the complexity of the tax code is also what can help you get rich, right? I mean, what do you, what do you mean by that? I mean, in the context of all these things we're talking about right now. Well, so on the one hand, it's pretty simple in, in the basic concepts, right? These are incentives and that's what they are and they're legal, you know, and, and there are certain industries, right? Small business here with the 20%, uh, real estate with the bonus depreciation, big companies, 21%. And there, you know, there are some, some other, obviously lots of other incentives in there. So conceptually, they're pretty simple. But here's what's great is you look at the complexity of, for example, the 20% deduction and you go, okay, maybe there's something I can do about this because of the complexity. Now what I have is I have some rules and some things there aren't rules for that I go, okay, so what do I have to change in order to get the benefit? It's, it's not a matter of, do I get the benefit or not? That, that's, that's a poor man's way of thinking. It's a question of how do I get the benefit? And let me tell you, there are, there's always ways to get the benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and why is it, you know, when we talk about Andre, what, who, how does the government determine who gets these benefits beyond lobbying in reality? I mean, there, obviously lobbying is a big part of it in this situation, but, but, but give us some examples. Um, because I know like, you know, we, we, one of the things that I, the big takeaway that I've had listening to you and reading your book, um, you know, and, and I've said this before, I, I think it's by far and away the best textbook I've ever read. I've read it, read it multiple times, and it's actually entertaining and it's interesting, which I, it's hard to imagine that a textbook can be that, but it is. But one of the takeaways that I've always, um, that I really got from you was that taxes are not necessarily something that you should look at as punitive. They're not the government trying to come at you. They're, it's the government trying to um, advance its agenda, like telling you, you know, mm-hmm. To, to have you invest in the things that, that it wants you to invest in, et cetera. Is it, so how does a government make those kinds of decisions? Well, you know, every, every government has its own policies and direction that it wants for its economy, for social engineering, for environment, you know, and, and all of those policies, what the governments um, learned a long time ago, 60, 70 years ago, is that they actually realized that people hate paying taxes. Yeah. Shocking, right? Yeah, right. So a, a small tax incentive actually goes a long ways. I, I remember I had a client when I was first starting out um, 30 some odd years ago that he 
literally to him, a dollar saved in taxes was worth $2 earned any other way because he hated paying taxes. Yeah. So he would love the incentives. He's long since passed away, but he would have loved all of these incentives. So for example, let me give you a really simple one, oil and gas. Okay. So there's long been oil and gas incentives. So historically, if you invested a hundred thousand dollars or let me make it even simpler, $10,000 in an oil and gas drilling project, you would get a deduction immediately of $8,000. Well, what they did with this last tax act in 2017, instead of getting an $8,000 deduction, now you get a $10,000 deduction. Yeah. So yeah. what they're saying is, is, look, we want to put, we actually want to even more encourage oil and gas drilling, right? We, we want to, and I think that was a little bit of a rescue of that industry, which really was hammered hard. Yeah, a few years ago when um, when the oil prices just tanked and, you know, got down around $35, $40 a barrel. And so, you know, that's energy. Energy is always a big policy because that's there's a lot of um, uh, security for national security. That's a national security issue as well as an economic issue. And, of course, with the current administration, I mean, look, you know, a lot of natural resources, coal. Oil, a lot of those people backed this current administration. And so there's a bit of a reward there. Um, re real estate. Uh, real estate has long had tax advantages ever since Reagan. Reagan, um, starting in 1981, Reagan, and, uh, Reagan and, and Congress in 1981 enacted major tax benefits by accelerating or speeding up the depreciation. So that was just Reagan saying, look, we want to stimulate the economy. Uh, interestingly enough, you know, when we were already, the economy's doing pretty well. And then what this legislation did was supercharge it. Um, apparently we had a, uh, I was just reading, we had a 4.2% growth rate in the second quarter. I mean, that's astounding, that kind of a growth rate in the economy, 4.2%. Yeah. So that's, um, you know, they're looking at how do we stimulate the economy? I think the big one for this, this time though, was the corporate tax reduction. I think really everything else, that was done revolved largely around that. And the reason is, is because um, the US has long been at a disadvantage, competitive disadvantage vis-a-vis -vis the rest of the world because most of the rest of the world has tax rates for corporations under 30%. And so what this law was doing was the government was saying, look, we want to be more competitive in our exports we, imp we, all, we all know we've got huge trade imbalances. So we import a lot and now we want to be more competitive with our exports. And remember, we also don't have a value added tax. So when we export to a, a country like France with a 21% value added tax, not only do we pay income tax, but we're also, we're, you know, at our rates, but we're also paying this value added tax. When they export to our country, that value-added tax goes away because exports aren't subject to value-added tax. So there's a huge competitive disadvantage that I believe that was the real driver behind this tax law was, was to make the U.S. more competitive. Now, I think what it's done is it's, it's had two interesting effects. One is it's made the U.S. Some, something of a tax haven. Okay, 21% is now lower than almost every other country. So now you actually have you actually have companies that are going, we never wanted to really be in the United States, 
Now there's a reason to be here besides the obvious economics of being here. Now it makes a huge amount of sense to be here from a tax standpoint. Okay. And so that was, I think that was, you know, that tax shelter is that whole idea of the U.S. being a tax haven. But the second thing that's happened is other countries are now looking at reducing their corporate tax rates. So it's having an impact worldwide for the U.S. to take that, that position that we're going to have really low corporate income taxes. It's interesting. I mean, it's a topic for another show, but of course the counter of it is that debt probably is going to go up globally as well and, 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 and sort of the long-term implications. But the, um, you you know, one of the things I was curious about that, because it makes a lot of sense um, to me when you talk about effectively like larger corporations, for example, repatriating a lot of, you know, their business and their income and stuff. But weren't a lot of these companies already, you know, using the tax code to their advantage to really zero out? I mean, I always, you know, hearing Jim Rickards, I've had Jim on the show and he's, you know, worked for all these banks and large companies and talks about how ultimately they'll figure out how to way to zero their, you know, taxes anyway. Is it, was it, you know, weren't those companies already there? I mean, tell me how it has really made a difference for these big companies. Well, you know, you can look at it two different ways. You can look at it vis-a-vis U.S. companies and you can look at, look at it vis-a-vis companies outside of the U.S. Okay. So, there, they, there has been a lot of money repatriated. I mean, already sure. there's all, there's been a, like hundreds of billions of dollars have already been repatriated because what they used in the tax law was they used um, a provision that allowed them to, if they kept the money offshore, they didn't have to pay the tax until they brought it onshore. But when they brought it onshore, they were going to have to pay 35%. Well, now we've got this repatriation tax which is even lower than the regular corporate rate. And so now you're seeing is, well, we, you know, we'd like to have the money on shore. We'd like to be able to use it in the U S but we've never had, it's always been so uh, penurious. I use, you know, that word, there's always been really a penalty to bring it back on shore. And so now the penalty is not there anymore. So they're going, well, why leave it offshore? We can bring it on shore. And, and they're doing things with it, like buying corporate stock, which raises the stock prices, which everybody says, well, that's such a big benefit to the corporations. Well, but corporations aren't people. Right. Okay. Corporations are owned by people and mostly by people in their 401k and p- pension plans. Yeah. And so the people who are invested in the stock market, which is middle America, okay, have had huge benefits. You've seen the stock market rise in the last, in the last eight months. I mean, the stock market really took, I mean, it took off, you know, with the new administration, but then it took off even more with the new tax law. And what you're seeing is you're seeing this kind of infusion in, of capital into the U.S. stock market, and it's clearly having an effect, sure. right? But then you also have to look at the other com- the company, companies from the rest of the world. And they've, so many of them have gone, well, look, we could build in the U.S., but boy, the tax benefits, you know, it's, it's expensive because once they're, they build in the U.S., they're subject to U.S. tax laws, okay? So we'd have to pay 35% in the U.S., whereas if we ship from offshore, we, don't, we may not have any U.S. tax consequence because we don't have enough of a connection to be subject to U.S. tax. So it's, it's very possible 
that those companies that were not investing in the U.S., now they're looking at coming into the U.S. And I actually think that's a probably a bigger impact on the economy. And, and then, you know, it's quite, kind of interesting to see that, again, topic for another show, but it's interesting that combined with the new tariffs right. and to say, okay, what's going to happen there? Yeah. You, you know, originally there was supposed to be a border tax, which is kind of a a way to do a value-added tax without actually calling it a value-added tax. And that went nowhere. Right. That went nowhere. But that's, I think that the whole idea behind the tariffs is to really do something without Congress, okay? Because Congress was never going to pass that border tax. And so instead, you do a border tariff, which has the same effect. You know, then, then the question is, uh, you know, how do you pick and choose and who? And, so we'll, we'll see what happens with these trade wars. Yes, we shall. We live in interesting times. <laughs> it's, it's a good, you know, what was it the curse of the interesting times or something like that? Anyway, so I want to talk, uh, I want to shift a little bit and talk about what you're doing these days, which is really interesting. I think people need to know about it, which is um, wealth ability. Um, so it used to be the case, even say a year or two ago, <laughs> that if you wanted a guy like Tom to help you with your taxes, you'd have to have some, you'd have to have some serious money because uh, Tom ain't cheap. I'll tell you, <laughs> but wealth ability, you know, uh, part of the mission of wealth ability, uh, is to address that. Right. And, and so tell us a little bit about wealth ability, um, and ultimately how it is effectively started democratizing now what, you know, you, what used to be pretty much just available to guys, like Robert Kiyosaki. Well, it's, it's actually very exciting. It's, it's very, very exciting because so wealth ability, this is, and of course the name is, is exactly what it implies. It's we our job is to help you develop your ability to create wealth. So it's your wealth ability. It's not our wealth ability. It's yours. And so what we're doing is first thing we're doing is we're completely revamping all of our educational courses into brand new technology. And it is very cool. I'm very excited. We're going to release this um, early next year, and you will see some online training on tax, business, and wealth strategies that will blow your mind. Absolutely amazing. Not just the content, but actually the delivery. Actually, you'll be able to get some education that's actually interesting, fun, um, easy to watch. So we're very excited about that. But that's a very important part of what we do because what we find is, is that unless you're educated financially, it's very hard to make progress either on your taxes or on other aspects of your cash flow. So we have to have the education. But the other thing that you mentioned is, is you know, if the, the challenge is when you're doing complex advisory services, you have to pay people a lot of money, the, the advisors a lot of money, right? So typically we would hire out of the big four accounting firms. Well, Big four accounting firms aren't cheap. So while we could do it at less than half the price of big four, that's, you're right, that still can be a chunk of change. So there are a lot of new investors, a lot of people who are just starting their strategy that really don't need that level of advisor, okay? They need, they need good advice. They don't just quite need that level of advice. And so what we are missing is, we, we call them, actually, we call that the 40 percenters. We actually have a term for it at WealthAbility, the 40 percenters. This is 40% of the people that we've been talking to 
really weren't ready for what we do um, with our CPA firms. So what we did was we, we've done two things already. So the first is, is that we created a new service and it's, it's called My Tax-Free Wealth Roadmap Plus. And it's our education combined with monthly calls with a tax advisor. So it's not a complete strategy. It's kind of assisted do-it-yourself. So it's, it's really perfect for the 40%. Perfect for somebody who's just starting out, just learning how to do this, willing to take some time to get educated. And with our new educational products, of course, it's going to be, be fabulous. And then they get to meet with a tax advisor that does not have to be as experienced. We don't have to pay them, you know, the hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, that we would, you know, that we would have to pay somebody to do it one-on-one. -on -one. Rather, we can, you know, it can be more of a question answer. So that's one thing we've done. That, that has been amazingly successful. We just launched that. And it's been amazingly successful. The other thing we've done is we've created a network. We started a network of CPA firms. And uh, we have seven in our network right now. Very exciting to have seven CPA firms. We just started in, in the end of June. So we've wrapped up very quickly with these CPA firms. Here's, here's the fact. The fact is that there's three types of CPA firms. There's the big four, which most people can't afford. There's the kind of the national firms or the regional firms. And these people tend to be very middle of the road. Okay. It's kind of like, it's kind of like eating at a chain restaurant, right? You, you pretty much know what you're going to get and it's going to be mediocre and it's going to be a mediocre price. I mean, you know, you, it's kind of like you get what you pay for there. But then what you have is you have the local CPA firms, the small independent CPA firms that you can have some of the best tax people and, and, and wealth strategists in the world at these little local firms, but how do you even find them? It's like a local restaurant. You know, if you can find the really good local restaurant, it's always gonna be better than the chain, always. It's just a matter of finding it. Now, so what- How do you find them, Tom? How do you find the, these, these groups that are gonna be part of WealthAbility? So they're finding us. It's fascinating mm -hmm. because here's what's, what's going on with them. I mean, we have a, our industry has a serious challenge. First of all, we're a bunch of old white guys like me. Okay, so that's the first challenge. So we're not bringing people out of school into the profession like we like we need to be. They're all going into IT or, you know, building apps, doing something fun. Right. So we have to make it more fun for this. You know, when they come in, they, the, the, the students, they have to be excited about what they're doing. The, the independents don't have a brand. So it's very hard for them to recruit. Okay. And they don't have the systems. They don't have the training system and they don't have the systems in order to provide, uh, you know, a, a really a, a, a product that is a more consistent product. And so what we're good at is we're good at the systems and the education. Plus, we already have a brand. We have Tax-Free Wealth as a brand. So what we've done is we're building this network of CPA firms. Our goal is 10,000 CPA firms worldwide, independent CPA firms. We have people already, we have CPAs already in Mexico, in Hong Kong, in Singapore, in Australia, in South Africa. We have people ready to go. We're, we're not ready for them, but they are, they're waiting in the wings, waiting for us to get really everything I's done, T's crossed in the U.S., and then we'll actually move overseas. So it, it's, it's a complete revolution, complete transformation of an industry. Does does uh, a, a couple a couple comments? One is, um, I think this is just incredibly important. Um, 
And and Tom, we'll talk a little bit about how people get in get in touch with wealth ability uh, in a minute. But here's the deal, right? I talk to people all the time. I talk to investors all the time. I've been hearing this now for years, which is I'd love to get that kind of advice because my local my local guy says you can't do that here and you, you can't do this and you can't do that. And everything that you, you talk about and the things that Tom talks about and all that, they just say, no, you can't do it. And um, he's supposedly the quote unquote conservative guy in the area, the one who does all the taxes for the doctors, et cetera. What I have found um, in, in my experience, my personal experience, is that quote-unquote conservative guy who does all the doctor's taxes, he has one goal and one goal only, and that is not to get audited, right? That's the one goal. And if you do not get audited, this person is supposedly really, really good. And my my response to most people on that is, why don't you just use TurboTax then, right? I mean, why don't, you, why don't you just do something, I mean, not even pay that as much as you are because you're not getting much for your value. And this now creates an opportunity for people to get somebody who's quality, right. who, who, you know, I mean, they may not need, uh, you know, Tom Wheelwright level support because their situation is not that complicated, but they're still probably going to save a lot of money if they go somewhere where someone is actually willing to do some work uh, on the taxes. Right. I mean, you know, it's, it's a, it's a point of view issue, right? Is your point of view that the government's out to get you or is your, the point of view that the government's out to serve you? Okay. Most, most people and most CPAs, especially, uh, have this view that the government's out to get you. Now that's not to say the IRS is your friend. The IRS is not your friend. Okay. But the other hand is the IRS should not be scary. If it's if the IRS, if your accountant is scared of the IRS, you got to think. I mean, think about think about who goes to work for the IRS. Okay, now I have high respect for people who do this because you go work for the IRS and your best customers hate you. They don't want to have anything to do with you. They don't ever want to see you, hear from you, or talk to you. And that's your best customers. Okay, and your worst customers have no documentation. There's nothing they can do. And, and you, 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 there's, I mean, seriously, it would be better to be a proctologist. I mean, <laughs> you know what? We have some proctologists listening to the show. Well, there you go. See, they, they, they know what I'm talking about. Right? So right. people don't go, Ooh, I can't wait to go see my proctologist this, right, this, right. this month. Right. That's really not what they're thinking about. So, so what happens is, is then for, for the, in the, in the tax world, you're not typically getting the best and the brightest. This is, I'm not saying this about proctologists, yeah. but you're not getting the best and the brightest in the IRS. They are not the best and the brightest for the most part. Now there are some levels of the IRS, you know, their national office, their appeals offices, that's where the best and brightest are, but they're not their, the, the daily auditors. Okay. And so if your CPA is afraid of what's probably a C student, what does that make your CPA? I mean, seriously, that'd be like, it'd be like saying, let, let's say you say, I've got this really good CPA. It'd be like LeBron James saying, I'm going to go play one-on-one -on -one basketball with a high school player and I'm scared to death. Right. It's not going to happen. LeBron James is going to be really comfortable. It's like a piece of cake, right? But here's the cool thing. 
you can hire a lump on James. You don't have to deal with it yourself. In fact, the, the rule is you should never, ever talk to the IRS ever as a taxpayer. That is your tax advisor's job. But if your tax advisor is afraid of doing it, seems to me like you got a big problem. Yeah. And just to the to the point about audits in general, again, you know, I have been audited. Um, uh, I got audited last year for a couple of years ago. And you know what? Uh, it turned out fine. Um, and, you know, my uh, the the representation I had, uh, you know, I think maybe we paid end up having to pay like five or six thousand dollars. But I mean, the the bottom line is that um, it, it seems to me the more complicated your finances, the more money you make. I mean, the the audit is almost sort of an inevitable thing over time anyway. Uh, well, you know, what? I think you plan for it. And, yeah. and here's the thing. When you're preparing, like when we're preparing tax returns, like we're doing some pretty complex tax returns right now as we get, you know, get ready for a deadline. We're going to do things on that tax return. The, it's actually how we present the information that will reduce an IRS audit. Right. So, you know, I look at it as the more you understand the IRS, the better you understand the IRS and the tax law, the, you can still have, pay a lot lower taxes and have a lot lower chance of an IRS audit. Right. So let me let me uh, before before I forget to do this. If if people are and I strongly encourage people at the very least, uh, if you're not already part of, uh, you know, Tom Provision or you know Tom's group, which is all a little bit more complicated now anyway. But we don't need to get into the details of that. What? How do we'll put a link into it? Uh, link for it anyway. But Tom, can you just tell people how they can? You know, if they want to talk to somebody at WealthAbility, how they can do that? It's really easy. Just go to WealthAbility.com and there's a there's a button right on the front page that says schedule a call and no charge for the call. And what our job is, is to help you um, any way we can. So if it's in educational courses, if it's in, you know, uh, 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 you know, finding a good CPA, it, whatever it is, I mean, our, our job is to do that and we're happy to help anybody who is seriously interested about uh, reducing their taxes and building their wealth. So it's just wealthability.com. It's pretty simple. We'll put a, we'll put a link to that uh, in the show notes again, but I, uh, this is something that everybody who's, you really ought to do if, if you, if you're not, uh, if you're, if you're kind of falling into that, um, you know, conservative accountant. And again, I use quote unquote conservative unquote, uh, category, which I know a number of you are. So I also want to talk about the podcast, which is the relatively new, and, and I know a number of people are listening to it. Uh, it's called WealthAbility. Right? It's so, called the WealthAbility Show. That's it, where, where we're always learning how to make way more money and pay way less taxes. So how's, how's that going? And, and tell me, who, who are you talking to? Who's your avatar there? Uh, you know what? It is amazing. I mean, the response has absolutely been astounding as to the number, the, the thousands and thousands and thousands of people, you know, we've only been going for a couple of months, right? right. And, and literally we have thousands and thousands of listeners. So it's, it's been going extremely well. I mean, even my son is listening to the WealthAbility show and he's pretty excited. He says, this is really good. Yeah. Is he going <laughs> to be a CPA? No, no, no. He's uh, my my son's uh, actually uh, works in a customer service job, you know, for a quasi governmental unit. And uh, he goes, 
geez, Tommy, you got a lot of energy. You, you, you must really like this stuff, dad. You know, he's going, dad, this is, I can't believe how much energy you've got. Well, how can you not have that much energy? We've got great guests. We've had Robert Kiyosaki on the show. We've had um, some of our uh, clients on the show. You know, we've had like Brad Sumrock on the show. I mean, we've got great guests. And the reality is, is that, you know, we do look at money and taxes differently from anybody else. I mean, probably the closest to us, of course, is would be Rich Dad, since, you know, we, we do use, um, we do share a lot of information uh, between us, um, but we do have a, a different perspective. So we, we have a very unique perspective. It's all about how to make way more money while paying way less taxes. So the idea is that the more money you make, if you do it right, the more money you make, the less taxes you pay, not the other way around. That's right. Tom, the, again, the show is the Wealth Ability Show, and we also got WealthAbility.com. Tons of information. Uh, Tom's just giving it away for free, If uh, even if you're not uh, up to the task of, of signing up for somebody. So go check that out. Tom, thanks again for being on Wealth Formula Podcast. Hey, thank you, Buck. I'll be right back. So welcome back to the show, everyone. Hopefully you enjoyed that. I'm sure you did. Tom is always so entertaining. Great guy. It is, I believe this show should still be playing in October. And if it is, anyway, it's October. It's time to get yourself in good shape for taxes uh, that you will pay for 2018, which is this year, because you cannot make changes to your uh, tax fate once December 31st has passed. So you don't start thinking about taxes for 2018 uh, in 2019, you think about them in the fourth quarter at the latest of 2018. For that reason, I would highly recommend uh, that you schedule your call with WealthAbility, which is the the new uh, platform that Tom had talked about. And I got to tell you, I uh, I just think you know you you owe it to yourself at least to get that free consultation that Tom's doing, and. Um, let them know. Let them know that you listen to the show, and it's not. I don't. You know, I don't get anything from Tom for this. I just want him to know that it is a message that's resonating with my people, and it, that he should keep coming back on the show. So let him know that I sent you. All right, but get that call. And this is uh, this kind of thing, by the way. And um, I am. You know, Tom's doing my taxes this year. He's certainly not cheap. Um, but I will tell you, I don't see it as an expense. It's an investment. It is an investment. I can tell you that from having really good tax advice uh, and maneuvers for several years now. It has saved me in the seven figures. Of course, if I espoused somebody else, I might not have made those savings, but I uh, am a free thinker like Kanye West. <laughs> I am just kidding about that, by the way. Um, so, so Tom Wheelwright is uh, is a great guy, and WealthAbility is worth your time. In the meantime, if you are an accredited investor, and an accredited investor, as a reminder, means you make two hundred thousand dollars per year or three hundred thousand dollars if filing jointly uh, for two consecutive years, or you have a net worth of a million dollars outside your personal residence, then you are an accredited investor. Right, you don't have to go apply, but if you meet those criteria, I would highly, highly recommend that you go to wealthformula.com and join Investor Club as soon as humanly possible. Because 
um, we will be talking about some super powerful ninja tax mitigation strategies as we head deep into the fourth quarter. And uh, you're not going to want to miss it. So, you know, Investor Club is not only about deal flow and things like that, but it's also about strategies. And so you can definitely check that out. These types of things, again, are, are really things that are really most are just relevant to accredited investors. So I'm sorry I'm leaving everybody else out. It's an incentive to become accredited. Go out there and, and uh, make it happen. Anyway, that's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Safeview with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.